Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the first episode of Behind the Pen. I am your host, Mike Rankin, and wow, I am excited because this is my very own show and I could talk about whatever I want. And first, before I get into all the stuff that I have on tap for tonight, I'd like to give a nice thank you to... Ricky Widmeyer from MVP Podcast, from which this wonderful podcast will be presented by, as well as everybody on the team to make this happen. Without them, you wouldn't be able to hear my voice right now, so I want to say thank you. First, I wanna I wanna get into a lot of stuff tonight, but let me let me let me spread this out and say Cubs, White Sox, Bulls, Bears, and I say that because I am from Chicago, and as a Chicago guy, I am a Chicago sports fan. So what you can expect is a lot of Chicago sports talk from me. But I also want to say that here's a couple things that I would like to share with you but so you just get a little bit of my personality before this stuff gets really heated or discussed. I'm a huge Kirk Heinrich fan. Straight up, flat out. Kirk Heinrich is my favorite player in the NBA ever. And before we get into some Bulls talk, I just want to say what the hell was that when they traded him twice for basically nothing. They did it again this year. Unbelievable. But that's, you know, I'm not running the Bulls. You know, if I was running the Bulls, I'd be more loyal. But all right, well, we'll get more into that later. Number two, and probably the most important thing besides the... I wanted to mention the Kirk Heinrich thing because that's important. But the number two... For number two, I want to say the Chicago Cubs have been my life since 1998. And that's not saying, you know, I'm a, I'm a bigger fan than the, this guy who's been a fan since 2010. Whatever, you know. I'm happy to know you're a Cub fan. That's all. I'm just saying for a great portion of my life, for around 18 years, the Chicago Cubs have been it. I have been focusing a lot of my time, my energy— my attention span towards the Chicago Cubs. And you know what? There's a lot of suffering that's happened, but we're here and it's 2016 and the time is now. I'll get more into that later, but like I said, I'm very excited about this season coming for and the season's going, you know, past 2016. There's going to be a lot of stuff that suggests that, yes, this Cubs team is not going to be the lovable losers anymore. They're going to be the lovable winners, right? <laughs> right? Anyway, I I like the Blackhawks, but I'm not going to say that I'm maybe a big-time fan of them, only because I haven't really paid attention to the Blackhawks very much. Yeah, I'm, I am I am well aware of their three 
cups in six years, and I'm I'm very well aware of their their players, and and you know I pay attention to the Hawks. Don't get me wrong, but I would I'm a Cub fan, and I would rank the Chicago Blackhawks in terms of my fandom, the teams I pay attention to the most. I would rank them below the White Sox only because I love baseball so much. And that brings me to my next point. I don't hate the White Sox. But at the same time, it gives me a chance to cuz listen, like how how often is it to have more than one team in a state that you can follow? And I'm privileged to have two in my favorite sport. So that's that's another thing. So I'm going to talk some so tonight I'm going to talk some Cubs, some White Sox, some Bulls, some Bears. Get right into pretty much everything, anything I want to talk about because this is Behind the Pen, hosted by Mike Rankin, and I can talk about whatever I want. Now, throughout the show, I'm excited to bring on guests, have contributors, people calling in. Let's do it. Let's do the whole shebang here. But all right, first first topic I'd like to talk about is the Chicago Bulls because I just kind of want to get some frustration out right away. I was kind of buying in to whatever vision or plan Gar Foreman and John Paxson had for this team and for the coming years ahead. But I, I laid it all on the line when it came up to this year's deadline. This year's deadline presented a very good opportunity for the Chicago Bulls to go from mediocre, amateurish, kind of playing in the sand, kind of tiptoeing their way into the playoffs to, okay, we can build something for the future. Because let me tell you right now that this Bulls team, that their roster that they have right now, even with a healthy Butler, a healthy Taj, a healthy Gasol, and a healthy Rose, they can't win. They are not going to win. And you combine that with the players around them, and you have nothing. This is nothing. You fire your head coach of five, six years, whatever it was, of Thibodeau, who was obviously didn't agree with the front office in their terms of going about business because it's clear that they didn't have a functioning relationship. And you know what? With Thibodeau, I have to say that for a guy who's often compared as the Bill Belichick of basketball, for him to have a conflicting view of approach of construction construction of a team and how you run a team, that tells you something. That tells you that this front office isn't the right fit. I don't know what their problem is trying to dump guys for salary. Yes, I'm talking about Kirk Heinrich. What and not add any significant value when they need it or when they have a chance to move forward. But anyway, the Thibodeau firing brought in. Fred Hoiberg, and this isn't a surprise. It shouldn't have been for any Bulls fan who's been paying attention because Hoiberg was their guy going back since, what, 2013? They were like, yep, as soon as Thibodeau's done, we got this guy. We got Hoiberg who's going to fill in. He's going to be great. He's got all these offensive schemes. He's not going to wear down our big men. He's going to be able to fill in rotations a lot better. And what happens? This dumpster fire. I don't understand what the front office was thinking at the deadline. And this, at that specific point, I turn my attention away from the Bulls into hate-watching the Bulls. And this isn't fun hate-watching the Bulls. I am totally sick and tired of the agenda of this team. 
Just look at their rotation. They started Cam Bearstyle the other day. Are you kidding me? Yeah, they didn't they didn't start Bobby Portis because they wanted to be their energy guy off the bench. But you have a regular rotation at one point. You trade for Justin Holiday. That's the compensation you get after you dump Kirk Heinrich, who is a one of the top pro I would I would consider him top fifteen, top twelve bulls of all time. And there's there you can debate whether or not, you know, he he's worse than whatever, but it's not true. Because if you look at the raw Kirk Heinrich, besides the fact that he's the all time leader in threes, which is fantastic, he he is among the league leaders in or in the franchise leaders in minutes played and in assists and blah blah blah. He's up there. He's 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 been a bull for as long as since two thousand three, pretty much. And he spent his entire and this is how the front office treats a player like him. Where's the loyalty? This isn't the first time that this front office has messed up, and I could go on and bash plenty of things that they've done. Like, of course, the uh, LaMarcus Aldridge trade for Tyrus Thomas, which obviously was bad. But I saw a very interesting comment or whatever, fun fact, if you want to call it, about the Bulls. If you exclude Justin Holiday, the Bulls are the only team in the NBA who has never, who, who does not have a player on their roster uh, acquired from a trade. And that has been the case for several years. And as long as I, that has been a case, besides maybe Larry Hughes, Brad Miller, uh, John Salmons, those guys were like their greatest trade acquisitions. I'm not, I don't remember if John Salmons was a trade acquisition, but I, I, you get the point. They they don't do anything besides rely on their drafting and try and lure free agents in, big time free agents in, and always come up short. And why is that? Oh well, Gar Paxson says that they believe that they want to come here because they've made the playoffs in consecutive years. Really, you think you're going to lure in a top? 10 player in the NBA because your team is among half of the Eastern Conference teams that make the playoffs every year. Are you kidding me? That's your reasoning? And they believe that they have a future. They actually want to re-sign Paul Gasol after this season. If I'm Paul Gasol, I'm cutting and running now, but he can't. And you think he's going to sign again? You're out of your minds. This Bulls team isn't going anywhere. And like I said, and I'll keep saying it. It was the trade deadline that they had a chance to move forward with this roster. And that would sacrifice this season, yes, given, you know, you had expectations to win a championship this year, but you look at what happened. They're 30 and 30 right now. They're a game out of the playoffs. They're in ninth. They're not even in the playoffs right now. And maybe they can sneak in. They'll probably make the playoffs. I would say that they make the playoffs with a healthy butler because if they don't, then they're pathetic. Straight up pathetic. You have Four guys that can that can get you into the playoffs, and if you can't, then you're terrible. But that, regardless, you get a six, seven, eight seed, and then get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Congratulations. Now what? You have this roster filled with Cam Bearstow and Justin Holiday and Aaron Brooks, Etwan Moore. What? Who? 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 I don't understand where they're going to get... They they can't score, and they can't play defense. 
it's just so frustrating to me that this front office believes that they're championship caliber. And I think it's a reality check now that they messed up badly. And they messed up badly. They had a chance to move Powell and Tony Snell, who's trash, for a nice little deal with the Kings. And you could look it up, but it it didn't it fell through. And apparently Gar Foreman said, yeah, no, we were never trading for Powell. We were never, uh, you know, he was never on the table. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How is Powell Gasol not expendable? How are you not trying to move him? You have to move him. That's how you get better. You get worse or you stand still if you do nothing. And what did they do? They cut Kirk Heinrich to free up cap space. And they're still below the luxury tax. I mean, I'm sorry, they're still above it. So that means they still they're still paying it. They would still they're being a penalty. What what are they doing? I don't understand. I really don't understand the direction of this Bulls team. I want Gar Foreman and John Paxson out. And another thing, yeah, it's unfair for Fred Hoiberg to come into this roster and kind of, you know, this isn't really his team. It's Thibodeau's team. It's still Thibodeau's team. But you had this idea that, yeah, this guy could come in create offensive prowess for a team that's defensive minded. And now I'm not even I wouldn't even be surprised if I checked to see if the Bulls were in the bottom ten rankings on defense. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. They're giving up thirty games this season or fifteen something. It's just an extraordinary amount of games compared to the previous Thibodeau tenure where they've given up a hundred points in a contest. It's happening way too often. And Go along, going along with that, they're giving up 30 points in a quarter every single day. I don't get it. You're not going to win. You're not going to win if you don't play defense. But I will say, there's a couple positives that I like on this Bulls team. A couple. One is Doug McDermott. Doug McDermott's a nice, nice, he's picking it up. And I think the transition from Thibodeau has helped McDermott's game. And not only for his ability to shoot, but he's able to work around screen. Yeah, he's not going to be good defensively. It's obvious. He can't play defense. But if he had any support, it wouldn't look as bad. But yeah, he's he's bad there. But he can drive. He's working uh, the pick and roll really well. He could, he could bounce off his man. He's got some quick, you know, he's a loose. He could get open. He can go down the lane and finish. You've seen him dunk once in a while. That's That's awesome. White man can dunk. That's great. It's great. You know? And another positive would I would say is Cristiano Felicio. At this point in the season, get him in. Play him some more. He doesn't have a post game yet. He really can't score much. But if you work with him with a pick and roll, he'll, he can do some stuff for you maybe. But what I like from him is he's he's big, 6'9", like 250, 260. He's big, big boy. And he can work down low. He can get you rebounds, which the Bulls desperately need because they can't, they're always getting outscored in rebounds. So... That's, that's you know, he's 23. Let him play. Because might as well at this point. And then you have Bobby Portis. Free Bobby Portis. Well, he's freed. He's doing well. But he doesn't like to pass. He likes to shoot a lot. Which is okay. Let him shoot. You can build around Bobby Portis. But you need more. And you're going to have another season of Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler who can't get along in the court. Jimmy Butler thinks he's this this elite talent who's on the same level as LeBron and Kevin Durant and all this other stuff, he's out of his mind. And Pau Gasol is playing defense. This, I just can't do this team anymore. I don't like the Bulls anymore. I'm honestly 
hey, I'm hate watching them and hoping that they they. I don't I don't want to say that I hope they don't make the playoffs because that that would just go against my fandom, <laughs> my Bulls fan opinion or whatever. I don't know. I don't know anymore. Is it good? I don't know. I can't decide if it, if they should just get a pick or they should try their luck and go for the playoffs this season. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're not going to do anything with this front office running this team. So we're done with that. We're we're done with the Bulls. I'm done with the Bulls. Let's let's move on, please, to something more positive. And for once, I could say it's the Cubs. And this makes me so happy because this is the year that they win the World Series. I'll tell you that right now. And this isn't even an, an exaggerated, you know, claim. It's very, very realistic that this Cubs team can do it. And they're gonna, I, they're gonna make some noise, no doubt. And I, they're gonna, it's gonna be tough. Not, not saying it's gonna be a cakewalk, but with all the offseason acquisitions and. Joe Madden at the helm, the, pre, the 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 smartness you have smartness of Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer, working, making deals, making the right signings always, except Edwin Jackson, and maybe Ian Stewart. That was a bad trade, acquiring Ian Stewart for DJ LeMahieu and Tyler Colvin, which we don't have to get into because Ian Stewart's a jag off. But at any rate, look at this roster right now and tell me where the holes are. Because if you're complaining about that there's no backup first baseman, then I think the Cubs are pretty set. Because Rizzo plays every day. And then you move over to one position. You, got, you signed Ben Zobris, I, in my opinion, a year too late. If they would have signed him last year, it would have been even better. But they had Castro, and you know, they, they made that insane deal this winter for Adam Warren, which was another really good acquisition. A lot of baseball people are saying, yeah, Aaron Warren's a good pitcher. He's going to be good. You, you can work with him. You can turn into a solid starter. So that was a good move. You're gonna you were gonna try and trade Castro no matter what, even though as much as I hate to see him go, he was gonna go. So that you know Castro's gone. You improve at second base uh, defensively, and you have a veteran leader in Zobris who just came off a World Series win. He knows how to win. Consistently positive WAR player, one of the top WAR players in all of baseball in, in, at second base. So you're secure there. Then you have a potential Gold Glove candidate at short with Addison Russell. Addison Russell can do everything with the glove and yeah, maybe his bats you know, progressing a little slower than we want him to be at the major league level right now, but that's okay. He's 22, 23, he's going to he's going to he's going to adjust. He's 22 years old. He's going to it's going to get better with the bat, but he's already a, you know, he's already talented enough to win a gold glove at short. And the beauty of it all is that Russell doesn't have to rely on his bat because he's got guys in the lineup that are going to pick him up, like Kyle Schwarber. And then you move over to third. Chris Bryant, rookie of the year, you know, 99 RBIs last season, bunch of home runs, plus OPS. The only thing is his strikeout rate, and he's probably a little, I mean, I wouldn't say he's average at third. He's probably, you know, he's passable at third. I, I He made some solid defensive plays last year. He can definitely play the position, so I'm not worried about him there. And then you can, you you look at that infield alone by itself, and this isn't even mentioning Javier Baez, who can play every position on the field except pitcher and catcher. But I bet you he could do that if they asked him to do it. So, in the infield, you're set. Eventually, you can even move uh, Bryant to the outfield if you need him to. But that that is a very very solid infield, especially up the middle. And then you move on to the outfield, and there's a position out in left field now that's wide open for. 
uh, Jorge Soler and Kyle Schwarber platoon, I would say Kyle Schwarber gets 110, maybe 120 games of action. Maybe that's being a little, you know, well, yeah, it might be a little optimi- optimistic, but he can do it. And his bat is, is valuable enough to keep him there in the lineup every day. Because you, you, you are <laughs> just watch him hit. He can hit anything. He's got a bunch of power. He can hit in the opposite field. But, yeah, the defense is suspect. But, hey, I'll trade a bad defensive left fielder for a 30-homer guy in the lineup. So, slugs, you know, 480. I'll do that any day. Any day. Yes. Absolutely. And then you have Soler to compliment. He can play left or right whenever you want. Dexter Fowler, who I will get into a minute in a minute where that acquisition was unbelievable. But anyway, you can have Soler and Hayward, you know, fill in for any spot. Hayward can play center. Soler can play right. Schwarber can play left. They can mix and match with this lineup all day long. The versatility, the depth, it's, it's, it's something that I haven't seen a Cubs team have in my entire existence of following the team that's it, it's so exciting right now and that's not you know that, that's it's just so exciting but and then you have Dexter following center and then Jason Hayward who was their top war player when I say there it's the St. Louis Cardinals it's the Cardinals top war player last season and now he's with the Cubs so it's like suck one St. Louis he's ours now you're gonna have to deal with him for eight years unless he opt out, opts out at two Specific points in his contract. Hey, have fun. He's the best right fielder in baseball. And he can hit. He can do everything. But he doesn't have... He, the thing is, he doesn't have power. And they gave him a lot of money. You know, 184 mil. It's a lot of dough. But I would do it over and over again. Over and over again. Absolutely, he's worth it. He can steal a bag. He's he's fantastic defensively. He'll drive in runs. He'll get on base. He'll hit. He won't strike out a lot. Oh, it's fantastic. But anyway, let's get to this Dexter Fowler stuff because it was pretty insane. Like, I personally, I was moving on. I was like, oh, man, who's going to be the fifth outfielder, Matt Merton or Matt Caesar? But then all of a sudden, Chris Coughlin gets traded for Aaron Brooks, not on the Bulls, who's bleh, but another pitcher named Aaron Brooks who's also bleh. Coughlin's gone, so I'm like, all right. I wonder if they're going to pick up another free agent outfielder, maybe Will Venable or somebody like, you know, who's ever left. And all of a sudden, Dexter Fowler, after the, it was one day that the Orioles, it was reported that they agreed to a three-year, $33, $35 million contract. And then the next day, Fowler's a cub. And I'm like, are you kidding me? He's walking on uh, the spring training facility in Mesa with the Cubs in Sloan Park. Are you kidding me? How does this happen? This doesn't happen to the Cubs. Stuff like this happens against the Cubs. And all of a sudden, all all of this magic, this Theo Epstein voodoo is going on. I just, I can't, this is something I can't even, you can't even write, you know? So, Fowler's here. They got rid of Coughlin. They signed Shane Victorino, who's probably going to make the roster, which means Matt Caesar, who is a very pretty serviceable defender, you know, player overall. He's a very good defender. He can't really hit much, but he he would be a good bench option. He's probably going to have to be passed through waivers because he has no options left, so he can't be sent to AAA without 
going through waivers first, and I'm guessing a team will want him, maybe the White Sox. You never know. But with that being said, it sucks to lose Caesar, but hey, Shane Victorino's another guy. He's two years removed from his 2013 season where, you know, World Series chance with the Red Sox. Did really had a really good season. So he just battled a lot of injuries the last two years, which is an unfortunate one. But in a limited role, yeah, Shane Victorino absolutely is a positive pickup for the Cubs, and it only adds to the depth of their roster. It's unbelievable what this team did, and we didn't even get into the pitching staff yet. Their depth in the rotation goes eight deep. Look beyond John Lester, John Lackey, Jake Arrieta, by the way, Cy Young winner. Well, yeah, you know what you're going to get from them. And then you have Kyle Hendricks going into his second full season as a starter, who, in my opinion, outperformed expectations last year, did very well. And then you have Jason Hamill, who's probably the biggest question mark in the entire rotation. But Jason Hamill's your fifth starter? I take that all day. But then you go beyond that. You got Adam Warren, Trevor Cahill, who re-signed with the Cubs, and I didn't think that would happen. I thought he was going to sign elsewhere, maybe get a shot to start, but came back to the Cubs, which is an awesome pickup. Clayton Richard, who had a resurgent year last year, was fantastic with the Cubs. And Travis Wood. Travis Wood's probably your best depth guy there who could be a reliable piece in the bullpen and fill in for a spot start whenever you ask him to. And that's just the rotation and half the bullpen. Plus other rotation spots. Like that, that's, that, that is a recipe for a team to succeed right there. Depth, consistency, and production. And they can all produce. And they're all good. The only question I'm worried about is how Neil Ramirez is going to bounce back from that really terrible shoulder injury he had. You know, guys, it's tough when you throw 97, 98 with that kind of movement uh, on your breaking stuff. After suffering that shoulder injury, it's tough to come back from. But I'm I'm hoping Neil Ramirez can return to not his old form because he was unbelievably dominant, but somewhere close to it. Do the Cubs want to make a move? There were reports throughout the offseason that they may trade for a pitcher. And quite frankly, I'm glad that they didn't because that means that they would have had to give up. Well, they did. They got Ann Warren, but you know what I mean. Besides him, a top-of-the-rotation starter. They would have had to give up. Jorge Soler and Javier Baez, maybe even both of them, for a top rotation starter like Danny Salazar, Carlos Carrasco, Tyson Ross, Alex Cobb, even. So, at that, I'm I'm happy that they didn't. But at the same time, if they were to make a move, I would expect them to make it in the bullpen, and it would probably be in the form of a late inning reliever, maybe like a Brad Boxberger or something like that. I wouldn't or Jake McGee, you know. I could I could I could take some Jake McGee in my in my Cubs life. Absolutely. So the Cubs the Cubs are in a great spot and honestly I don't I don't peg them to make any type of move until the deadline, until they really assess their needs at whatever position that they need to assess. Because right now, they're set. Hector Rondon's slated as the closer for now. Pedro Strope, the eighth inning guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. This Cubs team is the best Cubs team I've ever seen. Better than 03. They weren't even slated to be good in 03. They just made a crazy run at the end of the season. We don't have to talk about 03 because we know how that ended. 2007, 87 wins. That was good. That was a very, very solid team then. But they're better this year. 2008, probably the, best, the second best team I've ever seen them have. Yeah, they're better than them. 
this team is stacked everywhere, and this team is going to have a lot of success this year, and it's fantastic. I cannot wait for this summer of Cubs baseball because you know what? On top of Cubs baseball, we have White Sox baseball, and White Sox baseball is going to be pretty entertaining too. A lot better than last year, I'll tell you that right now. And you know, we had all these offseason acquisitions from the White Sox, and I'm going to get into some White Sox talk right now, if you if you couldn't really tell. You had the White Sox last year, and in hindsight, yeah, I probably should have realized that they were going to be this terrible. 70, 73 and 89 terrible. That's That's not a contender, you know? That's not what the... White Sox wanted to have going into this year. They wanted to be right. A lot of people picked them to win the World Series, but they were awful. They were 30th in the league. I just heard a stat today on the score. 30th in the league in OPS, which is slugging and on-base percentage. That's not going to that's not going to cut it at all. They were terrible defensively. You know, the bright spots were their parts of their rotation. Chris Sale was unbelievable. Absolutely fantastically unbelievable. And then Jose Quintana was good. And Carlos Rodon had a very solid second half that people are very excited about. But this year compared to last year, I would say, yes, I can realistically expect the White Sox to be good in 2016 compared to 2015. Here's why. Their their moves this offseason made a lot of sense. And starting with their acquisition of Brett Laurie, was the start of it all, right? They had picked up Lori, they traded Lori uh, from the A's, got a pretty, you know, solid player from Oakland. They gave up Frankie Montas, Mika Johnson. Mika Johnson was in, was involved in another trade, but it's one of the pieces that they lost. Some other players involved in that Oakland deal who, you know, you're going to give up some players to get a good, decent player. So Brett Lowry was a... A solid contribution and a very obvious improvement over what they had last year. And it was slated that he would play third until they went out and got Todd Frazier. They traded Mika Johnson, Trace Thompson. And you know what? (laughs) Thinking back about that deal, it's funny that those star studs in the deal that got Frazier went to the Dodgers. And the Reds got some Dodger prospects that are kind of crappy. Whatever. That's okay. Whatever the case may be, you got Frazier, and that's your guy. Holy cow. Good job, White Sox. Making moves. Making fans happy. Yeah, you're in it. They got rid of Tyler Flowers. You replaced, you replaced that ugly catching scenario with two decent catchers who will do the job. Yeah, you're losing stuff defensively with DeAndre Navarro and Alex Avila, but that's two solid players that know how to play the game, can hit. That's, what you, that's the main difference. They're going to hit. And that's what you need in, out, of, out of the catcher spot. That was a big, glaring need for the White Sox. You, have to, you look at the White Sox last year, you get past the fifth spot in the lineup, you're like, oh, no. This is like two innings straight of just one, two, three. You know, so they, that, that was an improve. They already improved there. So you have Frazier at third, Saladino at short, who's did well defensively at third last year, filled in nicely, and they kind of expected him to be their guy this season. But he can't really hit. But that that'll come. It's okay. Like like Addison Russell, he doesn't have to hit. All he has to do is pick it up on defense. And Brett Laurie at second, a lot of production is going to be dependent on Brett Laurie. The White Sox can't be good if Brett Laurie is going to be terrible. You know, he can't be hitting two ten. That's not going to cut it, man. Got to be able to produce. Give me some slugging. Give me some OBP. 
Don't be striking out a lot. I know you do, but don't be doing that. You know? And you got Jose Abreu, and you got to live with Adam LaRoche, who will give you anything better than last season. Whatever he did, whatever he does in 2016 is an improvement over last year, so you take that as a win. So you're set in the infield, which is which is great. Then you get to the outfield. And a lot of people were saying the White Sox should have made one more move, and maybe the, the, the prize would have been Dexter Fowler. And them not going after Fowler tells me that they're confident in Avi Garcia in right field. Okay, I understand that. He's young. And he really, last year was his first full season, you know, coming off that uh, labrum injury, I believe it was a labrum injury, and it wasn't good. Uh, straight, you know, let's be frank about it. It was bad on defense, couldn't really read a fly ball, making terrible mistakes on the base paths, and couldn't hit. And it was just an overall down year. But this year is the year for Avi to step up, and it is clear that if Avi's not doing well by the deadline, they'll probably look to deal him. And they, and if he's struggling, they probably won't get a really good return for him either. So you're hoping a lot from that, but. What I wanted them to do, and I was adamant about this, is they should have signed Ian Desmond. But they didn't. Desmond's now with the Rangers, and he might play the outfield, which is funny, because he's he's a terrible defender at short, but he can hit. He can give you 20 homers, but he'll you know, strike out a ton. But now that I think about it, I'm okay with... I'm, I'm actually happy that they didn't sign Desmond, because that would have hurt their lineup. The smarter, the better move, I like what they did in their acquisition of Jimmy Rollins. Jimmy Rollins is a veteran. Yeah, he's not going to give you what he was in the past, but this guy is a great mentor to have in the clubhouse for Saladino and, and top prospect Tim Anderson. This that's, that, that presence alone is going to be great. And you know what? You don't want to hand over the reins of 160, 150, 140 games of shortstop to Tyler Saladino. Now he's not he, he it's it's better to ease him in with 70, 80 games first instead of just relying on him every single day throughout this grind of a season. I would expect that if I had to split if, as long as Jimmy Rollins is healthy, I'd say he plays 90 games this year. And I think the White Sox would be happy with that. Very happy with that. Whatever production you get, it's going to be like a 90-70 split. That's that's a good recipe. I like that. You're solid defensively this year, which is a major improvement over last year. Well, let me say that. And that, that'll help out your pitching staff big time. Because everybody saw how Samarja would struggle, you know, after a couple errors, you know, here and there, things didn't go their way. Suddenly, Samarja would try and do too much, and then he would just suck, and blah, blah, blah. We know how that turned out. But now Chris Sale doesn't have to strike out 240-something guys again. You know, he doesn't have to do that. He can rely on his defense to make plays for him. Jose Quintana, the same thing. He's not going to be left, especially uh, going back to um, no decisions that he had. I mean, that's going to be cut down absolutely because he'll presumably get some backup offensively. So this this off this White Sox team they had a good off season I would give them that and people are knocking on them for not making an extra you know oh you're not going all in what's the deal with you know you made the trade for Frazier you made the trade for Lori you got two catchers why not go all in and I think they are going all in and I think they're smart not to invest money into a guy like Dexter Fowler which they actually attempted to they tried to get him 
But ultimately, it came down to his choice. You know, even after the uh, Orioles thing fell through, the White Sox had an offer. But that that the uh, thing with that is, and same with Desmond, is that that pick that comes with it. It's well, it was like the 29th or the some maybe in the 30 range. Of, I'm not sure what pick number exactly it was, but it was a pretty decently high pick and they were pretty attached to it and they didn't want to give it up for just one year of service, which I can understand. I totally get it. That's fine. You know? So it's okay that you don't get Dexter Fowler here, but you got to count on to compensate for a possible struggle from uh, Avi Garcia. You're going to need a lot from Lori and you're going to need a lot from Frazier. And Frazier had a terrible second half last year and that probably had to do a lot with how bad the Reds were, but still. Got to be able to contribute, especially when you're these guys coming in. So, yeah, White Sox, AL Central, I'm I'm not ready to crown them the winner yet, but I'll say they're in it because everybody's in it, even the Twins, maybe. You never know. But with the White Sox, maybe. Go get them. This is going to be a fun year in Chicago sports uh, in the summer. I'm really excited about Chicago Bay, it's going to be good. And, and you know what? Another thing is, too, that the Cubs and Sox rivalry will get back at it. Because it's, it's kind of fun. You know, even even when I hate White Sox fans during that time, it's fun. And we're not going to have a, a, a summer of just dead baseball. Oh, when are the Bears going to start? Let's, let's, uh, let's look forward to Mark Trestman's Bears. No, let's not. Never again. So, yeah, we don't have to look forward to Bears football. But I will talk about Bears football because the draft's coming up and the Bears are having a pretty high pick at number 11. And who knows what can happen? Maybe they get a quarterback. Maybe Jay Cutler's time's out. He's done. See you later, Cutler. You're garbage. That's a Meatball Bears fan. I am not a Meatball Bears fan, or at least I don't consider myself one. Because I think Cutler is the greatest quarterback the Bears have ever had. Now, I, I watched the 30 for 30 of the Bears' 85 season. And Jim McMahon did some insane things and took a ton of punishment, like unbelievable amount of of punishment. I still consider color better, and I have my reasons. And I think you should agree with me that color is the Bears' best quarterback ever because he is. If you look at the raw numbers and everything he's done, yes, he has... uh, We don't have to get into the color conversation, but... (laughs) The quarterback is an option because, you know what, that's an important part of this depth chart. You have David Fales as your backup right now. So unless you sign a backup, you don't have anyone. And you know what, I'm sick of sick of the Jason Campbells, sick of the Jimmy Clausens. Let me get a young guy to develop, and, I, and I'm, I'm not talking about David Fales. So maybe, maybe they invest in a quarterback later in the rounds in the second or third. But in the first, yeah, glaring position of need, inside linebacker. Got to get the inside linebacker. You got to fill it up because... Christian Jones ain't going to cut it. Shea McClellan ain't going to cut ain't going to cut it. Jonathan Anderson is okay. He ain't going to cut it. Let me get something who somebody who knows what he's doing. And you never you I'm interested to see what what Ryan Pace does in the draft this year. There's they could trade down even. They have 9 picks this year, and that's more than they've had in recent memory. So this Bears team is in the right direction. I very much and pleased with year one of the new transition period with John Fox and Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace hit last year on a lot of draft picks. Adrian Amos, Ronas Grassou. I mean, I, of course, 
miss, missing guys, but you know what I mean. You know, you look at that. You look at that draft. That's very good. Yeah, Kevin White was hurt all season, but hey, essentially you're getting ten draft picks this year because Kevin White is going to be a rookie in his first season, and uh, you're going to combine that with Jeffrey. So, but yeah, the glaring need is <laughs> glaring needs on defense. Yeah, you got to build that defense from the ground up essentially because that Super Bowl. You know, Tampa 2, Lovey Smith-style defensive group is gone, long gone. I don't think, no, there's nobody left. So, yeah, we're 10 years later. But still, they, they had a lot of guys still on the Bears in 2010, even in 2011, 2012. So I'm very curious to see who the Bears decide to choose at 11 or if they ch- decide to trade. And I want to say that people are saying, yeah, this is going to be a long process for the Bears to be good again they almost they almost made the playoffs last year they had a chance to make the playoffs you beat a couple teams that were not even very good I'm talking well the Vikings in the early sorry Ricky I'm knocking on your Vikings the earlier in the year they should have beat them straight up they blew that game they were they were up 10 in the fourth quarter and they blew it up they just blew it totally completely blew it because their defense just didn't have any talent you look at the 49ers game miss field goal Robbie Gold, who might be, who's probably going to be gone. I don't want his his nine mil or whatever, how much money he's owed for 2016, 2017. Nah. Get out of here. You're a kicker. Make your kicks. You can't make kicks anymore. Goodbye. Especially when you're making that much money. Goodbye. Thank you for all your contributions. But goodbye. And you look at the Redskins game, a team that you probably could have beat. But you laid an egg, especially after that deflating loss to San Francisco. You laid an egg. And you look at the Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos. They lost by two points. They had a chance to win. And we can go on and on and on and on about the what-ifs of, of this season. But the fact of the matter is, 6-10? and 10? Could have been 10-6. and six. Could have been in the playoffs. Never know. You know, stuff goes their way. But it wasn't their year. They just weren't loaded with talent. What I'm saying is, is it really that crazy to think that they can't make the playoffs next year? Because I think they, hey, personally, I'm going to be really pissed off if they don't make the playoffs. John Fox is a good coach. He knows how to get guys in their positions. You know, besides the in-game part of it, yeah, he's probably subpar there. But John Fox knows what he's doing behind the scenes. He knows how to work with the coaching staff. He knows how to run a practice. He's not in the film room with his back turned to his players while they're sitting pairs, like in kindergarten, offensive, defensive, offensive, defensive player next week. Give me a, you know, Tressman. What was that? John Fox knows what he's doing. Vic Fangio knows what he's doing. They lost their offensive coordinator. But it's Dow Loggins time, and this isn't a system that just disappears and starts from scratch for color has to learn again which would be, what, his sixth new system, seventh new system that he has to learn? No, nah, I mean, what is this, his sixth offensive coordinator in eight years here as a Bear, nine years as a Bear? And you're telling me, yeah, I think, what is it, eight, seven years, eight? You get it, he's been here a while, and he's had a lot of offensive coordinators and a lot of head coaches in terms of number of head coaches. Three? That doesn't happen unless you're the Browns. So I think, the, I think the Bears are going to surprise some people, especially because they have a lot of cap space this year and this offseason that they can play around with. 
You can invest a lot of money defensively in, in guys who are 26, 27 years old. Do it. They have the luxury to do it. If you cut a specific you know, couple guys like Gold or maybe Bennett, which I don't want them to cut Bennett, despite the obvious reason that he's crazy and that he's eating money, he's still a very viable option, very, very good talent at tight end. You know, you never know what you're going to be able to get with Zach Miller, who's injured, and they, he's asking for a ton of money. So if they come to an agreement, that's great because he did some great things last year, but you never know with him. He's 31. So they have a lot of space to work with going into the offseason this year, and it starts with the draft. See how they manage their picks. It remains to be seen until they hit the field, but it's the strategy that they go about it is what I'm very curious to see about and how they fill the roster. And then they then they make signings to guys that they have already as well as looking outside the organization and bringing in top talent, which they can do. This team can be in the mix next year. Don't dismiss them. They're not I'm not talking 8 and 8 good. They could looking at their schedule and yes, it's super early. They got teams that they can beat. They could go 10 and 6. 10 and 6 can make a playoffs next year. Maybe a wild card. And I don't think that's out, I don't think that's out of reach. I think year 2 of this transition process, it's not unrealistic to think that this Bears team can make the playoffs and I'm counting on it. As a crazy, optimistic Bears fan, I am counting on them to make the playoffs next year. And with that, I want to thank all of you for listening and following and putting up with me for almost 50 minutes. Talk about Chicago sports. It's it's really fun to do. You know, I, I can't wait to move forward with this Behind the Pen podcast with the folks here at MVP Podcast. One special thank you to Ricky Woodmary again for putting it all together, allowing me to do this. Thank you all for listening. This has been a presentation of MVP Podcasts. Please follow along to my next one. You've been listening to Behind the Pen with Mike Rankin, and he is signing off. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this MVP Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.